Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly look at all things royal brought to you by Mail Plus. I'm Jo Elvin and on my panel today is royal biographer Angela Levin and the Mail's Saturday diary editor Richard Eden. Hello to you both. Here's some of what you have to look forward to today. It's a year since Prince Harry and Meghan announced their plan to leave the royal family. It feels like about five to me, but I trust our researchers. We look at how that worked out. Plus, who are the hardest working royals? We speak to a man who has been tracking royal engagements for more than 40 years. And has the Queen had her COVID vaccine yet? And if so, why isn't she telling us? But first, back with all the latest royal news is the Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English. And Rebecca, we're going to start with a look at the royal garden parties and this decision to just cancel them blanketly in 2021. Is that right? Absolutely. This is pretty hot off the press. Buckingham Palace have moved very quickly at the start of the year to say that the garden parties are going to be cancelled. I mean, it's really sad, but it's not surprising. We have three at Buckingham Palace each year, one at Edinburgh. And up to 8,000 people attend each of those garden parties. So you can understand the logistics just make it impossible this year. And it is it is a shame because it is a way for the royal family to really personally thank people who've gone above and beyond in their communities, in the military, for charities, in the diplomatic sphere. And um, they have these amazing tents on the lawn. They serve everything from kind of tea to organic apple juice, uh, cucumber sandwiches, and these amazing little, um, they're like chocolate mousse cakes with little gold crowns on top. Uh, there's a military band Rebecca. playing. Sorry, Joe. You're just showing off now. Oh, they are delicious, I have to say. Um, uh, you have a military band playing, the royals go around and, and speak to everyone and thank them personally. So it is a real shame that they're not going to be happening this year. But as I say, I think people understand why and actually one thing I was going to say at the risk of being a total geek um, the Royal Garden Parties have always provided me my, my favourite royal statistic ever which is a few years ago I had a story that when the royal bean counters were trying to look at cut costs at Buckingham Palace they looked at the garden parties because they are very expensive to put on and they calculated that on, on average every person going to that party consumes at least 14 items of food each and although they're quite <laughs> <laughs> they're quite dainty you've got to be packing it away to get down 14 obviously that's an average so people are going to be eating more than that so yeah but they are an institution the garden parties they're fantastic we've all had the experience of trying to get a whole meal out of canapes it never goes well but, um, but uh, you know it is it is another sort of sad price from the coronavirus and i want to stick with that virus for a minute because we heard that this week that queen margaret of Denmark has had the vaccine. And there's been complete silence so far from the palace about whether or not the Queen and Prince Philip have had it. What, what, what do you make of this? 
Well, that's not going to change. So I spoke to Buckingham Palace for you this morning just to see what the kind of the latest lie of the land is. And and yes, they're they're not planning to make it public at all. They feel, and people will agree and disagree with this, that the Queen is entitled to keep certain aspects of her life private, and medical information is one of those. And uh, that's why they believe they are, for the time being, and I can't see that changing. They're not going to uh, confirm whether she's had this jab or not. I mean, obviously, the Prince of Wales made clear before Christmas when he visited a vaccine centre that he did expect to have it when he got his turn. But Buckingham Palace, I don't think that's going to change. Do you have your theory on why they want to keep that quiet? I suppose she's a woman whose life has been up for public consumption uh, for many, many years. She'll be turned 95 in April and they just feel there is a line in the sand on certain things and medical information should, on the whole, be one of those unless, of course, she's had to go into hospital and obviously we realise that our head of state is not, you know, in Buckingham Palace or a royal residence. But they, I, they, they do feel quite strongly about this, which is why I'm, I'd be surprised if it changes. Never say never, but I, I'd be surprised. Okay, well, thanks for that. Well, the Duchess of Cornwall, let's talk about her now. She has been channeling her inner Richard and Judy with a new scheme. But before you tell us about it, let's have a look at this video. Had you any idea quite what a success your book was going to be? I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, everywhere you go, you see your book just sitting. It was just like <laughs> what bookshop, where you go. And, it's... you know, I've got so many copies of it with people have saying... You? You must read this book. Uh, you know, I, I make a library <laughs> of it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's terrible to be like. Oh, it's lovely. I adore it. Um, no, is the I mean, really, genuinely, I remember thinking, you know, because it, it it's not an ordinary book. It's not, and no. it's it's not for children. It's not for it's for everyone. And and I I did think, well, maybe you know, people won't like it because there aren't enough words and or there aren't enough pictures or. You know, and also, you know, I, I, so in, in the answer to your question is, I, I'm, I was, I still am really surprised and really moved by, you know, where, where, what happened. Um, you know, and I think I, I made the book in, with, in conversations with my close friends about what really matters. And I always remember thinking, well, let's try and say things that really, what's helped me, my discovery of self-acceptance and journeying into vulnerability and all those things that, difficult um so you know i didn't think it would be an easy book to sell truthfully um and selling was not for me i definitely didn't think i, I didn't the, the objective was not to sell books it was just to try to make something that um a few the people might like you know, yeah I mean, it, exactly yeah. So, Rebecca, what are Camilla's plans for this and who does she hope will take part? Well, Camilla is an avid reader and literacy is a keystone of her all her public work, um, particularly with children. But also I've visited prisons with her where she's been advocating adult literacy. And earlier on, uh, sorry, I should say earlier on this year, last year, during lockdown, she published a couple of reading lists with some suggestions that people might like to take up to kind of alleviate the boredom of being stuck at home. And she had such a great reaction to that. She decided to set up her own Duchess of Cornwall reading room on Instagram. Um, each season, she'll be posting 
recommendations of four new books that are going to be exclusive content from the authors. I should stress all this is obviously not for profit. What she really hopes is it might just give people who are either enthusiastic about literacy or those that are new to it a chance to um, take part and, and basically pick up a book in their hands. Thank you for that, Rebecca. We'll be back to you in a moment. Angela, will you be joining Camilla's Book Club? I don't know yet. Um, I am a naturally, uh, I read a lot, and so it might not quite be for me. Or, um, but I think what's, what she said, why she wants to do it is very important. And she, and she quoted um, Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway, a great writer, who said, um, above all else, the only friend you need is a book. And I think that was very powerful because it means that people can um, lose themselves within a book. And I think she, can, she does it very well when she goes to see schools with young children. She will read to them and she reads beautifully. And the choice that she had in the, in the spring and the summer that made her so popular was a very wide range of books. It was classic Dickens and then it was um, lots of other books that you could read, including her late brother's book about elephants. And so you've got a quite a wide range. I think it'll be very popular. I think people are turning to books to escape. And this is a very good example. If you go, you know, you look on Amazon to buy a book of some sort, you're overwhelmed by the choice. But if you have somebody suggesting it, you can try the author out and enjoy it. And you can get things downloaded or you can buy them cheaply secondhand from mm. Amazon. And um, you, you, you can really benefit from it. You can lose yourself in it. An amazing opportunity for the chosen authors, I would say. Yes, mm. absolutely. <laughs> An overnight platform. Um, let's move on. I want to talk about this subject of the vaccine and, Richard, whether or not the Queen will say if she's had it. Well, what, what do you make of that? Surely it would be an amazing ad for the nervous people if she were to front up and say that she'd had it. I think it really would. I mean, I find the palace's um, treatment of this subject totally um, bemusing um, because you know, a lot of people don't realise, but the Queen played a key role in the 1950s when there was a lot of serious concerns about the polio vaccine. And she made a point of making it public that Prince Charles and Princess Anne, who I think were about six and eight at the time, were going to get the vaccine. And apparently that played a key role in helping swing opinion um, generally in favour of the vaccine. I mean, that's fascinating. That's an amazing precedent. You know, we get against all this, we don't get political. What do you think, Angela? Well, I think the Duke's coming up to be 100 in, in the summer. And perhaps he doesn't want it because he feels his life should ease out naturally. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, so you think he, he may not have actually had it? He may not have had it and he may not want it. He's quite a determined man. Um, and I think maybe even the Queen feels a similar way. And I think that they also understand that whatever they do will make a huge amount of publicity and take the spotlight away from what's happening and the and the, the vaccinations arriving and people trying to get appointments that they would either be favored or it's outrageous and see what happening that's so wrong that they haven't got it yet so well, it's best that's, if they I, keep yeah. that quiet i i wondered if they were worried about sort of any um accusations of being overprivileged and being bumped up the queue well yes. the thing is um loads and loads of people aged over 80 have now had it so um other people living where they do in berkshire you know will have um had the vaccine so i, I don't think that's an issue now 
Um, I do know that Prince Philip in the past has been very sensitive about revealing medical details. So they may think if they start giving information about this, then they have to give other details that they yeah. don't necessarily want to. I don't think we care as much about other things as we do this coronavirus vaccine. But if you're 99 and a half, how much longer have you got to live? I mean, do you want even the most minor side effect from a vaccination? Um, I quite understand that he wants to just step back from that, stay very in self-isolation, away from people and just the Queen. And I, I, I quite understand but that. But if, if what you're saying is true, I mean, it's quite explosive, because what it would mean also is that it, it could be very hard for the Queen and, well, the Duke of Edinburgh is retired now anyway, but for the Queen, if she didn't have the vaccine, to sort of return to royal duties, really. Mm. Yes, I mean, I think that is an issue, and I think maybe they're still totting up what they should do. I think many people are, are anxious about this and mm. need time to really assess. There's no rush because at the moment they're isolating. But do you think there'll be government pressure? I mean, because I feel like perhaps the palace is missing a trick in not being part of the PR drive. Well, for... a month or two before Christmas, we had a lot of stories appeared about how the Queen and Prince Philip would get the vaccine. And apparently that caused a, a bit of a backlash at the palace mm. because th they, they didn't like the suggestion. I think this was briefing that was coming from the government and they, they didn't like the idea that they were being sort of pushed or bullied into releasing medical details and there does seem to have been a bit of a, a backlash to that as well so it's it's really the subject's really intriguing and mm. um yeah controversial I, mean, I think their lives have been in the public eye for so many decades that i think they're quite entitled to keep this to themselves um it's not our business really we've all got to make up our own minds about these things but angela i guess some people would say that their lives have been in the public eye for all of these decades because they are quite literally public property taxpayers a, a taxpaying yeah that's true entity. but the queen this year and and well last year now <laughs> the, when she feels the public need her to speak she's spoken brilliantly and she's spoken to give us hope and to give us comfort i don't think she has to tell us what to do I think there's a very big difference to that. I think Harry and Meghan have been lecturing us and we haven't liked it one bit. The Queen doesn't do that. She's almost like an extension to some people's family. You know, we listen to her and, and what she's got to say and she's always spot on right. But it's all, it, it's strangely emotional and very helpful and comforting. Mm. I think that's where she succeeds. Well, it definitely is sounding like we will never know. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> so let's move on. We'll hear more from Angela and Richard in a moment. But on the subject of royal events, no one knows more about what they've been up to than Tim O'Donovan. For more than 40 years, he has been counting how many engagements the royals take on before publishing his findings. He told us about his rather unusual hobby and why the palace was not happy about it when he started. I think the thing that triggered it off was that somebody used to um, take a note of the names of children being christened. And so they'd produce a league table, you know, of the boys, Oliver, James, thing, and the girls. And I just thought, oh, I wonder, I might do this for the royal family's engagements. No, what I do is I cut out the court circular every day and, it, and I stick it in an album. And then when I'm feeling like it, I then do a bit of adding up, probably each quarter, 
didn't, it took until I think it was 18, 1989 when I heard uh, that they were not happy with what I was doing because they um, thought it was creating a league table and they didn't like that. And so I then wrote to Sir William Heseltine, who was the private secretary, and said that I'd heard this, and could I come and see him? And he, he wrote back immediately and said, yes, do. And so I went up to the palace. I met him and the press secretary, Robin Jandrin, and I explained to them um, that what I was doing was quite useful to authors and people writing books about the royal family. And they then agreed that I should continue. About a year after that, at that time, the court circular did not include overseas engagements. And I thought that was a great mistake. And so I then wrote to the assistant press secretary, John Haslam, it wasn't then, and said this. And they then used to give me, I went up to the palace every once a year in December, and they used to give me the itineraries so that I could record what they did while they were abroad. And the other households did the same. I used to write to them. It's all a bit of a business. And then 1997, overseas engagements were then included in the court circular. So I think I, I could say that I was responsible for including the foreign visits in the court circular. And on the whole, it's, it's um, either the Prince of Wales or the Princess Royal. And the great thing is that they, the palace, they don't want it made as a league table of endeavour. And that's why I put in, in my letter always that it shouldn't be, because all engagements are different. And um, some take more time in preparation. So you, it, it should not be taken as a league table. And that's the point I make at their request every year in my letter. Well, the, the Queen is, is pretty busy normally. But of course, this last year, the whole thing has changed and I had to do a different table this year because of the video and telephone. It's changed the whole conception of the thing, really. For instance, the Queen in 2019, she did a total of 295 engagements in the UK. And last year, she did 133. I used to be... Um, a lay steward in St. George's Chapel. And uh, inevitably, you know, one says good morning or good afternoon or, you know, something on those occasions. Um, so once met, met quite a few, but only really in passing. You know, why should they think that somebody stewarding in St. George's Chapel would be doing all this? So I don't think that they, they never, nobody's ever said um, well done or stop it or anything about it. Tim O'Donovan there. Now, who does the most depends on how you actually look at the figures. And it might not be a surprise that Prince Charles carried out the most UK engagements, but the most overseas engagements. Well, that was Sophie, Countess of Wessex. I want to bring Rebecca English back here. Rebecca, the royals might not particularly like this list and the publishing of it, but it does show how busy they are, doesn't it? They don't like the list, although I do think there's a little bit of false modesty here um 
they're right in as much as to be slightly wary of it because they feel that it doesn't reflect the full picture. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes in terms of charity liaison, working on campaigns before they become public. And obviously a kind of very straightforward list of who do we see where, who takes what telephone call, who goes on what Zoom call, that doesn't accurately reflect that. But equally, they're not really that unhappy if they're top of the list and you know about it. So, um, yeah, it, 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 but, it, but it, it fascinates people because, you know, we want to get value for money in this country when it comes to the monarchy. And it is a way of showing it, I have to say. Well, I feel like Zoom may have helped us ring out the value for money. That really took off this year. Do you think that that seems likely to stay? Absolutely. They've got no choice, really, have they? Uh, like all of us um, at the moment. Um, I, I spoke to the Duchess of Cornwall about this before Christmas, and she was really bemoaning the fact that she couldn't get out and about and see people in public. If you're going to do this job, that's what you want to be doing. But equally, I think they have embraced the Zoom culture very well um, you know, and have made it work to their advantage because obviously the royal family you know, really depend on that kind of face-to-face -face interaction for their popularity. It's, it's how we see them doing their job. So I think, you know, we were talking earlier about the Duchess of Cornwall's reading room. You know, they are looking at ways to say, OK, look, how can we bring this on a little bit in the future? Because it's quite clear our lives are not going to go back to normal as quickly as we'd like. Now, obviously, two noticeable absentees from this year's list were, of course, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who stopped royal duties in March. But um, that was a year ago they announced that, that intention. I mean, it would seem to suggest that that's really sailed now. They're, you know, they're not coming back. Yeah, I did a big feature about this uh, for the Daily Mail last week. And a lot of people I spoke to made very clear to me this idea of a year-long review is just dead in the water now. To be fair to Harry, it's not something he wanted because I think he felt it would kind of hold him hostage slightly and suggest that him and Meghan could conceivably come back to the UK, you know, possibly with their tails between their legs. Uh, and he didn't want people to have the impression of that. He was determined to make a success of this. But uh, someone very, very senior said to me the other day, you know, every deal they've made over the last year, with the Queen's blessing, has nevertheless been a nail in the coffin of uh, coming back to even a quasi-royal life. You simply can't have a member of the royal family um, going on to uh, Spotify, for example, and saying swipe and follow as part of a, you know, a mega bucks deal and go out and represent the British head of state. You just That, that just can't happen. So I think uh, that there might be a little bit of tinkering around the edges in terms of patronages regarding the Commonwealth, you know, Meghan still holds uh, Royal Patron of the National, Ga uh, no, sorry, the National Theatre. There might be a little bit of tinkering around the edges on that, but, you know, that's it. As far as everyone's concerned, you know, it's over. Thank you for that, Rebecca. Richard, did you ever believe this was a temporary move as billed? No, but I think I sort of hoped <laughs> it would be, and I think lots of us did. You know, we're, are you missing them? Well, yeah, I, I am really. I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm sad yeah. that they've left us, and you know, we all feel a bit like sort of spurned boyfriends or girlfriends. I do. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and, and from what I hear that, you know, they, they do seem to be um, happy, you know, that Harry is enjoying his, his new life out there. Well, the weather's nice. They've it's got a big a, house. They've got a lot to look forward to. He's going to be yeah. extremely busy with all his different projects with Netflix and Spotify and all of this. And I think from what I hear, he is embracing it, um, the life. I mean, the timing's been terrible, obviously, with the pandemic. 
Um, but once we're through this, then we're going to see what what they're up to, really. I mean, Angela, what do you make of it? I think that about a year ago, people had predicted that, that Harry might come back running and screaming to the royal family. But that, that seems less likely. What do you make of it? I think he's between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> I don't think he's enjoying it. Harry uh, always wore his heart on his sleeve. You can see what he feels by looking at him. And my goodness, he looks tense and grey and he's lost all his... Do you think that might be just parenthood? No, I think that, <laughs> no, not at all. He loves small children. Oh no, he but they're children. exhausting. Yeah. No, I don't think that at all. I think he's desperate to make Megan happy and I think that he he's trying so hard, almost like a child who wants to please his mother. You know, he felt that his mother was looking down on him, Diana, and um, that she would always lead him to do the right thing. And I think that he felt that Meghan was a bit like Diana um, in the talk when they just got engaged uh, with the BBC. And, and I, I think he's very confused about it. I don't think he's happy at all, but he can't do anything because if he came back, um, he would have failed and he doesn't want to fail anymore in his life. And he would lose seeing his child or Megan, um, it, it, it's a very, very difficult, sad decision. I can't understand why they want an extension, um, but I think even without that, uh, he's a very damaged, unhappy man. Presumably mm. you don't agree with that. Well, it's hard to, to know and admittedly, you know, our, our sources in this country are not as good as they used to be with them in America. Most mm. announcements do come through via the States. Um, I mean, time Wait, Where do we go from here? Well, you know, are we going to just keep talking about whether or not they'll come back? Do you think the British media and the British public will gradually tire of even discussing them? Um, I really don't think so. I mean, on a practical level, they will come back because, for example, in July, when it's the what would have been Diana's 60th birthday and they're unveiling a statue at Kensington Palace, Harry will definitely come back for that um, pandemic permitting. Um, he's got his Invictus Games as well, which are due to take place in The Hague in the Netherlands. Um, and they actually rather awkwardly take place on Prince Philip's 100th birthday. <laughs> Um, so he might not be around for Philip's great um, oh my centenary. Gosh. Yeah, I don't think Meghan will come back. I mean, she obviously hated it within the royal family, was preparing to leave even before the wedding. Um, and I, I think she wouldn't be able to, she wouldn't want to come back. She didn't like the UK, it was too small for her. She likes to talk on a global um, platform and, uh, and I think we're very very unlikely to see her again. What will be interesting is how long Harry will be allowed to be away how long she will allow him to be away. Oh my gosh, I love your shade, Angela. It's so fascinating. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back to this one again, but that is sadly all we have time for today. My thanks to Rebecca English, Angela Levin, Richard Eden and Tim O'Donovan. And to you for watching. We'll see you next week for more Royal News, insight and analysis. Bye for now.